From somewhere deep in the cloud and the corners of the earth, this is the Killing It Podcast with a focus on helping you make sense and dollars of all things IT with your hosts, Dave Sobel, Ryan Morris, and Carl Polichuk. Welcome to episode 159 of the Killing It podcast. I'm Carl, joined today by Ryan and Dave, and I have allergies. I don't know about you guys, but that's just the way the world works sometimes. I, I do not, but my children do. I feel, I feel you, man. I've, I've, I've been rushing to the pharmacy for many years for that. Yeah. <laughs> nah, that's so bad. Maybe because I live in the, the place where the, where pollen just explodes in all directions. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Are, are you guys doing the whole cherry blossom thing? Is that going on? Oh yeah, it's it's uh, not peak bloom, but it's still going on. Everything is cherry blossomed, so it's a, it's a good time. But gents, I have a timely question for you: Is Elon Musk good for Twitter in the long run? Now that they now that they are, he's on the board and has bought it. So, so I just have to bring up something that I thought was hilarious, which is the first comment from the commentator I was listening to on Bloomberg was, "Well, it's good that they have one board member who uses the product." <laughs> I wasn't sure if I agreed that it was good for them that he used the product. Yeah, exactly. My answer is uh, short term, tremendous cash infusion and an obvious spike in their stock price, which obviously he did for that purpose so that it would benefit him as much as it benefited the company in the long run. Dude, he just doesn't have the self-discipline to actually be a voice of reason, which is kind of the definition of what a board should be about. I think he's kind of the opposite of that. So, so I, look, I have this analogy, which is apt. If you have a video game or any game that you love playing, if you're the player and you love playing it and you're so into it, but you get a little frustrations at times and then you have ideas about how the game could be made better, but you're so wealthy that you go out and just buy the game and now you have ideas and you can change it. Is that better for the game to now be dictated by one player? That's what I think is going on here. And I look at it and say like, no, this is not what happens. If a fan buys the thing, that is not good for the thing as a freestanding business, as an actual business entity. This is horrible. And he is out playing because he's got, seriously, he was working on important stuff. Go work on Mars, go work on solar, go work on electronic cars. What are you doing wasting your time on Twitter? It's the thing you play with. So your advice is buy it 10 days ago and sell it 10 days from now and take the, <laughs> take the upside. Well, but Well, no, because actually he's now made it a meme stock. By buying in, Twitter is now decoupled more from reality because it's the it's the meme stock. And this that is not a good well, place and, to be. But further. he's also short attention span theater. So, you know, I predict he will be gone from the board in probably a, a year. I'd give you. If you're the richest man around and you can just throw on the money and play, What's what's it matter to him? I think this is bad. But. Yeah, well, and and in the end, uh, you know why he did it. It's not just because he likes using it. It's because he doesn't want to get suspended from it anymore. And well, do you think that anyone there will suspend their single largest shareholder from using their platform? Absolutely not. So, I believe the SEC may have a different phrase right. for that, but we shall see. So, but, but the follow-up question is, and I think we all agree on this, is this move good for the Killing It podcast? 
because we will make fun of Elon for at least the next year. I don't know, listeners. Listen and find out. <laughs> but this week, we're brought to you by our friends at Field Effect. When it comes to delivering cybersecurity services to your clients, there's a lot to consider and even more at stake. Firewalls and antivirus don't provide enough protection anymore, and adding more tools to an already complex tech stack is expensive and difficult to manage. The Field Effect Partner Momentum Program, together with their award-winning security portfolio, solve these issues by making it easier for MSPs to deliver complete cyber protection, unlock new revenue streams, simplify operations, and stand out from the competition. Learn more and connect with the Field Effect team today by visiting fieldeffect.com slash MSP radio. So gents, for, I'm going to start us off with a, with a bit of a hypothetical because I want to base it on real world. So this is sort of your law, law and order hypothetical situation. So the FBI <laughs> is investing in millions in the use of social media tracking software. They're actually investing now in, the, in a product called BabelX, which is designed to let users search social media sites within a particular geography and other parameters to start looking for things. So they are looking for ways to fight crime and, fight, you know, and, fight and do investigations by researching in social media sites. And my question here is, is you know, what's your take? in lieu of, because we do not have national privacy laws. What's your take on the FBI using social media in this way? Well, I can't say I'm surprised. The NSA has been doing the same thing pretty openly for quite a while. Um, but I don't blame them for doing something just simply because they missed the January 6th, uh, whatever it was, attack on the Capitol. Like they didn't see it coming. And so in some ways, it's almost disappointing that we have a security agency that, that like didn't see that coming, that like there's something wrong there. On the other hand, 36,000 employees is a lot to dedicate to something like this. And, you know, the, the libertarian in me wants to say, uh, I should have some privacy left somewhere on earth, even though I choose to participate in social media. See, and, and Carl, I think you, you've touched on what I believe to be the most effective lie told to our society in the last 20 years, and that is that you have any privacy online, right? Now, here's what, what I find brutally ironic. We were talking amongst a, a bunch of very smart security people, some dark web guys, and, uh, you know, the, the, the folks who really go out and root around in the dumpster of the internet for a living, right? And, and one of them said kind of offhandedly, I, I thought it was quite funny, he's like, do you realize what's wrong with privacy on the internet? It's that we have the expectation because we do not use our real world identities. Therefore, we assume, hey, I just called myself Bob Dave Steve 305 from whatever. And I think I, you don't know that that's me. I can say whatever I want online and I have this illusion of privacy. Whereas if you were required to use your actual name and real world verified identity online, if somebody snuck into your stuff and downloaded your information one time, you would freak out, the world would freak out, and we would pass legislation that would require privacy laws. 
The reason we don't have privacy laws, ironically, is that people with clever usernames think it's not necessary. I, I, I was like, huh, smart people say smart things sometimes, and I'm really impressed by that one. There is no privacy out there on the internet, and the fact that the FBI is using it for law enforcement purposes, if this is the first time you assumed or learned that they were doing that, boy, do I got some land in Florida I'd like to sell to you. Don't hate the player, hate the game. I, like I just I, I, look for for me. This this is the like I I'm literally throwing this out as the example of like there is no law that says they can't do this. There's no law that says this data can't be used for these ways. Because by the way, there is no privacy law. There's no federal level now. Of course, there are state ones in so there are what now three states, almost four that or four states that have that have passed them. I happen to live in one. Uh, you know, it's where and, and so does Carl, uh, you know, so, so there are there are states that now have it. But by the way, that's going to be a patchwork. Uh, the this is the issue going on in the EU, right, is around that they actually do have a set of privacy laws. I don't blame the FBI at all. I totally don't blame them at all for using the tools that are commercially available to mine this kind of stuff that's well within the rules. It should cause people to take a quick moment and go, there's a glaring light pointing on the use that you may not want of this data. Ryan's exactly right. There's no pri no expectation of privacy. We haven't deter determined that. And this is all, by the way, information people are willingly sharing with the well, public. That, that's what I was going <laughs> to point know? out is that the even when there is a federal privacy law, which is in the works, um, the FBI claims that what they're going to look at is the things that you post publicly, not your private messages. So if that's the case, uh, it's really hard to argue that I've got much of a case if I whine about something I publicly posted, right? Yep. So Correct. But if you think they're going to stop there, I mean, seriously, even with the best of intentions, even if the initial foray has all noble purposes and is on the up and up, there will be a day where somebody goes, oh, if you can get their public messages, backslash, hashtag, whatever. Now look at this. I'm into all of their private messages. And the temptation, I believe, is going to be far too great when you can rationalize it with, but did you see we saved a life? But, but you know, we did in some cool. ways, it's almost like uh, WikiLeaks. Like, if I, if I disclose publicly all the things that you sent me in private, uh, it's now open to the FBI, right? Because I yeah, I, I'm not. Right? I'm not so. Sure. I, I don't want to do the. I don't play the slippery slope game. I'm not. I, I don't. I, you can define things. They can, the, There are lines that can be defined, and then everything beyond that is not within the definition. It's not implied. It's not a slippery slope. That's why they have fences at the edge of property. There's a slope on the other side of the fence. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's what it's, 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 so I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna buy into the slippery slope argument. I'm gonna. Yeah, we can totally define these things. You you can define edges. We do it all the time next to slippery slopes. <laughs> but again, I, you know, for in its purest sense, is it a good thing that we have more tools available for noble applications of law enforcement initiatives? Yes. That in itself, in, in a bubble, is an essential good. Question is, as we've always said, so is AI, so is machine learning, so is facial recognition. The question is not the technology. The question is, who's that guy using it and what's his intention? Excellent. All right, guys, we're going to jump over to our next topic. And here, 
Oh, I love to talk about the hype cycle, and you guys know this about me, but I believe that our industry is accelerating its roller coaster ride through the hype cycle, right? So for those of you who don't know what we mean when we say hype cycle, there's a time and a place where things are promoted more than they are adopted and they are promised to do more than they are capable. And then people wake up and go, wait a minute, that's not working. It's not gonna do the right thing. And so it crashes and then people eventually come back to a rational adoption of actual capabilities and things uh, approach the marketplace. We're linking in the show notes here to an article from the MIT Technology Review talking about quantum computing and observing that that dynamic, that technology field has a hype problem. Basically, they are saying what we have said about, uh, about a lot of things like uh, emerging technologies in the last couple of years, uh, you know, machine learning or AI or 5G. These are brilliant technologies, dot, dot, dot. Nobody's figured out how to use them for an actual commercial purpose yet. So phenomenal cosmic powers, itty bitty business case. Um, what, uh, what do you guys think about the hype problem for quantum computing? Well, I think this is one of these cases where the the problem with the hype started whatever it was 25 years ago, right? That that people said like many kinds of technologies, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. When and we all know it will happen and on things like LED and solar and other things, we see it moving forward. Uh, quantum computing, billions of dollars have been spent, but we still don't have a quantum computer. We we have a lot of quantum computer companies, but we, we and we spend a ridiculous amount of money on it, but visible to a public that can actually see something and go, oh, that's what it is. Uh, it's still all hype. I mean, this is a space that has not really generated the actual thing. <laughs> like, right. like let's, let's, let's observe that in order to have a market, you have to put the thing out there. So a show me if I have the infinite Amex black card that can buy anything on the planet, right? Money is no object. I cannot buy a quantum computer. <laughs> exactly. Like, it does not exist. Okay. So no s there's a, a hype problem because it does not exist right there. so any promises of it against a thing that does not exist well there you go right like it's the take the moment and say like this thing does not exist so everything is hype uh i think this is almost the ex the most extreme example of the of a problem of, of hyping something because it must exist now don't get me wrong there's there's i think there is absolute value in academics doing thinking big research thinking design like all of that stuff but you've got to have something for us to get to the point of it being a thing and anybody with a, a sensible business view needs to look out and say like you've got to have a pretty good bs detector and you can't fall for every buzzword that comes down the road particularly when it's this obvious well, well and except this is where you go back into the annals of our industry and you you look at the fact that you know if we don't learn the lessons of history it tends to repeat itself or again as somebody really smart recently said history doesn't necessarily repeat itself exactly but it does tend to rhyme with past patterns and 
everything we've done in our industry had a period of excess hype. And then some of those things crashed and burned and went away forever. And we all looked back and said, you know, I never really did believe in that thing. Yes, we did, because we're predisposed to do that as an industry. We are the kind of people who are fascinated with the perception or the, the concept of possible innovations. It's not an accident that everybody in this industry really enjoys science fiction, right? Like, it, we do that because what was once fiction can now be reality once we figure out the technology and somebody has to stretch the boundaries. But I don't know about you guys. I, I remember going to a thing about nanotech about a decade and a half ago, and I came out of that thing giddy. I was like, woo it's the coolest thing in the entire world. Uh, the only nanotech product that I think I possess is, is a t-shirt that changes colors when the temperature changes outside, and, and I don't consider that to be the full realization of that technology. Well, and part of this is that there's different kinds of hype. So we, we all know, things like, oh, we're, we're all going to be driving electric cars someday. Well, all the pieces exist. All, all the technology necessary exists. It's just not the right place, and we don't have enough of this, and we don't have enough of that, and we don't have enough electricity, uh, and so forth and so on. We can see the challenges of getting over the hype and getting where we need to go, and it might take 10 years longer than we expected. That is very different from nuclear fusion, which is beautiful, and people come you know, claim from time to time that they're getting closer and closer, um, but so far it doesn't actually exist. This is something where it might exist someday, but I think it's okay to say, you know, I'll see you in 10 years. We'll see if there's anything beyond hype when that, when that 10 years gets here. <laughs> see, and by the way, yeah, by, by the way, guys, we in the IT industry are not solely to blame for this stuff because I grew up as a child reading all the stories about the history of the theoretical promise of a perpetual motion machine and how in concept, in a physics paper, it can happen. But in reality, no, it can't. <laughs> Look, the, 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 I, I'll give you a very basic you know, tenet on this. I think there's an element of, remember, the, the adage is there for a reason, under promise, over deliver. <laughs> like that, enough of us need to take that. I was, I've been you know, watching some other stuff and I was looking at the explanation of yoga babble. Again, that idea of putting in an investment terms, very flowery, large language about changing the world and making these other you know, incredible changes. And you get to the point where it's just completely unrealistic because it's not a thing. Like it's not actually, does not actually exist. There's nothing wrong with under promise, over deliver. You do that consistently over time, you have an expectation of being somebody or something or a company that delivers. That's a very good place to be. And, you know, I know it sounds like we're all singing the same song here, but this is actually important in our industry. Our industry has long had people who made grandiose claims raised a bunch of money and then went out and figured out how to deliver that promise whether it's a small watch or you know wireless technology or whatever but recently we have the case of elizabeth holmes who flat out raised money based on falsehoods and right so now it's like ah uh, so how much of this is the entrepreneur who is one of the nine out of ten businesses that 
uh, gets funded by investors and fails, and how and where do you draw the line between that is just made up, you know, BS? There's there actually, but there's a difference. Be, there's a difference between knowingly lying and being a salesperson, right? Like right. like promising a vision of where you're going, and I think there actually is a very clear understanding of where that line is. If you say something that you know is false and present it as true, that is fraud. If you talk about your intentions and directions and give information around it, that can be exquisite salesmanship, but that is where the line is, is, is that if you know it is true or is not true or is impossible or unachievable and you say it anyway, that's fraud. But as Mark Twain would say, what if you just firmly believe in something that's not so? Exactly. See, and, and that's the thing, right? It's it's valuable to remember that uh, hype and puffery are constitutionally protected forms of of free speech. It's the best. It's the best ever is not actually provable or true, but it's constitutionally protected promotional language. This just brings it back to I, I, the reason that I started out this conversation the way I did, looking at it as this is the nth degree of the hype cycle. It's just a game of liar's poker now, right? Whoever tells the story like, Dave, you're going to make this business process a little bit more effective. And the next guy comes along and says, and I'm going to make the world a better place. And okay, now you're next anti up. You got to out exaggerate that liar. Do you? Well, Speaking of things that I hope are not hyped and are, are actually coming to reality, we return once again to our perennial favorite topic. I think the most talked about thing ever on this show is when do I get my burrito delivered by next generation technology? Well, we might be just a little bit closer to this, except Dave, because drones can't fly where he lives. But it, it looks like uh, you're going to be able to get your burrito delivered by drone. And I don't know what, how they pick burrito, except the people from Axios must listen to the Killing It podcast. Well, they, clear, they clearly do. But, but you, I mean, you have to laugh and go literally when the article's title is, look up, your burrito is arriving by drone. You knew that has to be shared among this group when, when it's literally <laughs> they the voted, exact they scenario. They knew we would cover this story. <laughs> this story is, is like we really knew... Uh, and, and by the way, that's partly because it's part of a chain whose it's just wings literally sells burritos. Like that's literally one of the things that they sell. Uh, yeah. So when uh, I first read the title, I thought, oh, it's it, it's this is like Wingstop. Like they're they're not going to deliver a burrito. They're going to deliver wings, which I would order. You know, just saying. Well, yeah. See, I uh, and again, they are singing our tune, and we are about to start dancing to it. Um, what I find fascinating is that this is not, again, hype and concept. This is a company that's it's an Israeli organization that has been working in real production in North Carolina that is now receiving um, the government approval to fly their drones in suburbs outside of Dallas, Texas. And last year, just in 2021, they documented that they were able to deliver successfully, so far as we know, 12,000 different items. And we didn't have any like earthquakes or cats and dogs living together. The, there was no fire raining from the sky, right? Apparently it worked, which is the coolest thing that we know, right? We've been fascinated by the idea but now the fact that these guys are actually doing it 
hey, hey, now now I got to start thinking about moving to Texas. Cause I, I have to say, I look forward to the update on my Flight Radar 24 that now I've got jets, I got helicopters. I want to see burrito delivery drones on my flight radar. <laughs> well, what I actually want to spend a lot of time is, is I really, this is, this is my, right in my wheelhouse of the mantra of thinking in the, in the work layer. There's a lot of IT services companies out there that really should be thinking about, look, I work with customers. What, may, what can customers do with their product, whatever that is, that could be moved with micro movement style technology. Like what, what would change if they were able to move something between locations very quickly without humans? Medical is an obvious interesting area. There's areas for, uh, you know, courier, where you might use couriers for delivery in, in legal or in, uh, you know, in, in repair deliveries. Like there's all kinds of stuff that it's like, okay, I want you want you the providers out there to be thinking about what can i apply this for my customers because they may not necessarily be the first to think of the ways to apply this and if you can play in that work layer this is exactly where the real value and is. imagine this let's say there's 50 companies in your little city uh, who need to provide these services but they don't want to own drones they don't want to hire people to fly them they don't want the the software it takes to coordinate all of the that they need to be able to buy that as a service from somebody like oh <laughs> manage drone delivery services i would totally sell that absolutely and again think of it think of it this way uh why dallas texas what i found fascinating in the article when i did some additional digging around it is so a they can deliver you a burrito cool and they can deliver you other restaurant items. But one of the things that they're actually going to work on is delivering ice cream to the suburbs in Dallas, Texas in the summer. Now, if you can actually use technology to fulfill an order and get my ice cream through the hot Texas atmosphere to my house without a human involved, you, if you can pull that off without it becoming a soupy mess, dripping all over my the, the porch outside of my house, okay, now you've accomplished something really cool. And, and by the way, uh, Google's watching because we're also linking to an article about a related service where Google and their wing division has partnered with Walgreens to start delivering pharmaceuticals. Uh, interestingly, not human pharmaceuticals for their first test case, pet pharmaceuticals, right? Because we, we would all get very like, oh, it's dangerous to deliver human medicine, but apparently dog medicine is okay to deliver with a drone. Um, it's coming. Uh, they, these are some real world experiences and um, uh, please bring it to my neighborhood next. Well, you know, I was ready to start selling drone landing pads that could be attached to a second story window five years ago. Uh, and uh, then it just, it, it, it is a lot like the hype of the previous topic that, and then another year went by and then another year went by and then a pandemic went by and then another year went by. Well, except, but let me put, I, cause I, especially because I brought it up in, in the first topic of the, of the day, or sorry, in the second topic of the day, uh, this exists. Right. <laughs> like it, it actually is a thing, it's actually happening. 
it is not 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 a quote unquote hype cycle type problem. It is an actual thing that actually exists. Right. That is in the market. It may not have been scaled up. It may not have been applied to all the right things. It may it may still have lots of challenges. Yeah, I mean that that's my point. They're they're into the how do you figure this out and how do you coordinate, you know, being legal with all of the various different you know uh, areas that you have to go through and so forth and so on. The, the, the problem fixing stage is a very delightful stage. Uh, you, you may have missed the first hundred million dollar investment, but you know you, you're at the point where you can actually deliver something for a dollar invested. Well, and and this is you know this is a practical example of to borrow the hype cycle terminology, they have journeyed through the trough of disillusionment and emerged on the other side into the slope of enlightenment and actual practical solutions. I think Carl's 100% right. Facts tell, stories sell. The, the technology is not what's going to sell the technology. What's going to sell the technology is a rational use case where when your customer hears it, they go, oh, no kidding. That sounds really good for me. I'd never thought of using this technology that way. And that's exactly what the job description is of somebody who calls themselves a solution provider that guys this is coming into our backyard here and by the way uh, uh, drone landing pads trademark Carl Polichuk <laughs> well, <laughs> coming, so, man. so you know my daughter has a garage door from Amazon that she can have her Amazon packages delivered the driver enters a code uh, and I or I guess it's auto generated or whatever Driver comes up to your house, it, the door opens, and uh, the package gets delivered inside your garage. Uh, <laughs> so how do you do that with a drone? Because now it's like, uh, are you going to fly a drone inside a garage? I don't think so. You're going to have to have a I don't know. Those those race, racing drone guys can do some really incredible stuff. That increases the cost of delivery significantly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now you have to have Olympic athletes driving your drones and uh, in order to make it valuable. I, again, by the way, guys, I just want to be the one who points out. When we, when we made our bet in the very, very beginning about how that burrito would get delivered, I was team drone. <laughs> Well, we shall see. Yeah, none of none of the three of us have yet received our burrito or pizza or anything else. Sadly, we will have to discuss burritos another time because this will do it for episode 159 of the Killing It, Killing it. podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Killing It podcast. Please share with your friends and tell everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the podcast places. Join us next week and help us keep killing it in the technology business.